If you would, open a Bible with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8 is where we'll be spending all our time for this part of our worship this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Good to see you this morning. We have a good number of visitors with us. Thank you so much for being here. We're glad to see you. If you're traveling and passing through, we want you to know that we're glad that you've taken the time to stop in and worship God with us. And it's an encouragement to us if you are a citizen of this area, this community, uh, we'd like to get to know you better, and we'd like to know if there's some way that we can help you, if you'd like to know more about what we do, or you'd like to be interested in being a part of this church family, we'd love to talk to you about that. But thank you so much for being here and visiting with us. I want to begin just by reading here Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 7. These are the words of Moses. He says, Deuteronomy 8 and verse 7, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today, Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The book of Deuteronomy is the story of Moses addressing the people of Israel before they go into the promised land. As they are shortly to go in, he wants to warn them about certain things that are going to happen when they enter this land. And he wants him to remember certain things. Particularly, you can tell from this text that the children of Israel are about to experience a dramatic increase in their standard of living. They have been living in tents in the desert. They've been eating manna. And now they're about to go into a land where everything is going to be sweet. They will eat and be full. They will not lack anything. And he says, when you go into that land, there are some things to beware. Because as you live in such prosperity, there are spiritual dangers to those blessings. One of the great dangers of receiving great blessings, of receiving great prosperity, is entitlement. Entitlement is the idea that we feel we deserve good things. So, we believe we deserve certain kinds of treatment. We believe we deserve certain kinds of success, certain kinds of material things. And the key word when you talk about entitlement is the word deserve. It is not that it is bad to have any of those things, but it is as if those are by nature, by definition, something that should come to us. And that is a hot topic in our culture and in our time, the idea of entitlement. For young people, many feel that they deserve perhaps immediately on graduation from college, perhaps even before that, a high-paying job in a field that they enjoy with nice perks and benefits, with nice health insurance and a pension, and that they should have a nice home and a nice car in a nice neighborhood, and that's just what they deserve. And so there might not be any indication that I need to work for that or build up to that. It is instead what is sort of my right. 
But you know, it's not just younger people because older people will work hard and save money and they feel that they deserve to be able to enjoy themselves as they age or as they retire. And I have worked hard and now I need to get what I deserve. Advertisers do this to us all the time. They will just say something like, you know, you deserve a vacation. You deserve a break. You deserve a treat. And I always wonder, you don't know me. You don't know what I deserve. And yet they're saying this is something that you are entitled to. Just go ahead and have it. It is a way that marketing works in our world. There is some debate over the term snowflake in our time. I don't know if you've heard that term. That is that some people feel in our current age that they should be insulated. They deserve to live in a country in which nobody ever says anything that upsets or offends them. And they feel entitled to that country. Sometimes, this has even come up, I read an article just a couple of weeks ago by a a college football coach who said that one of the reasons he feels so many players transfer so quickly is that they feel they deserve to be able to play when they want, where they want. And he called it, they have a sense of entitlement. Now I say all that to say a lot of this swirling around us may keep us from seeing ourselves in the picture. I don't really want to talk about our society in all of those ways, What I'm concerned about is what Moses is concerned about, the spiritual consequences of entitlement. Us, as God's people, beginning to live in God's prosperity and blessing and then forgetting the Lord. That's the danger I want to talk about. So I want to spend a few minutes this morning learning how we can fight entitlement. You see, like Israel, we as Americans are remarkably blessed and we have so much that it is natural for us to grow to a point that we feel we deserve what we have. And if ever it is taken away, we feel as if we have been wronged, that we don't get what we feel we deserve. And that is a dangerous attitude. So I want us to think about this for a few minutes from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now what we're saying essentially is that good times can lead us to forget the Lord. That's the point. That there are things that happen that are blessings, and yet those blessings can counterintuitively lead for us to forget the blesser. And that's what Moses is warning about. So what I want to do is just sort of trace the progression of entitlement through this text. You can see it as it grows in what Moses is saying. So first of all, entitlement starts with us forgetting the hard times. And that's where Moses begins. If you look back in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 1, Deuteronomy 8 and verse 1, he says, The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. So he says, remember what God did for you in the desert. They are just about to come out of the desert. And he says, don't forget, verse 2 particularly, he says, remember that he led you these years to humble you and testing you, whether you would keep his commands or not. And he talks about, remember what it was like. He says in verse 3 that he 
let you hunger and fed you with manna. He says in verse 4, your clothing didn't wear out and your foot didn't swell. But remember, remember that that should have happened to you. You were blessed by God to be sustained so that your clothing didn't wear out. But you were in the desert for a long time. And it was hard and you were hungry. Don't forget the hard times. Things are about to get easier. And Moses is concerned that the people will forget that ease is a blessing. And it's not guaranteed. And the only way we know that is when we remember the hard times. So the danger of entitlement is that we forget how things used to be. Look in verse 14, Deuteronomy 8 and verse 14. He says, Then your heart be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness, with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. So don't forget all the good that the Lord did for you in the past, but also don't forget how hard it was that you needed his blessing. Notice how Moses stresses how hard it was. Verse 15, the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He's saying, that was lame. Don't forget it. Don't forget how bad it was to live in the desert for 40 years. You hated it, and now you're going into a place where it's going to be much better. Don't forget. But this is a tendency we have, isn't it? We tend to forget the hard times, especially when the hard times end and things go back to normal. Let the record show I'm using air quotes here. Things go back to normal, and we say, oh, good, everything is normal again. And I can just be content and comfortable and at ease and at peace. Moses is concerned that the children of Israel will find a new normal, a normal in which there is no difficulty, and begin to forget the Lord because they don't think things will ever be hard again. That's dangerous. And that's how entitlement begins. I want you to notice how many times when Moses describes how the children of Israel were led through the wilderness, he describes directly the intervention of the Lord in the process. Look at this. In verse 2, he says, You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you. Verse 3, He humbled you and let you hunger so that you may know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Verse 5, Know then that in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. Verse 14, that you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Verse 15, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness. Verse 16, who fed you in the wilderness with manna. You see how he's saying, God, 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 at every turn, hard times help you remember the Lord because the Lord is the one who gets you through hard times. But there is a danger for us that this is how entitlement will begin. We begin by... Assuming the blessings that we have are the way things always needs to be. And we assume that our history suddenly is revised to fit this view. That's the way things always have been. And so, when we forget the hard times, we struggle to have any need for God. I mean, after all, we're here in this sweet land. We can put our feet up. We've got everything we need. Why do we really need the Lord? And so we forget the hard times and end up forgetting the Lord. Second. Good times can lead us to forget the Lord as we enjoy what we have. Look at verse 7 of Deuteronomy 8. In verse 7 it says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, 
A land of brooks of water, of fountains of springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive trees and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. So things are about to get sweet for Israel. They are going to lack nothing. Everything they want, everything they need is going to be provided for them. They will eat and be full. And I'm sure there are people in the audience saying, man, it's been a long time coming. Been waiting on this. Sick of this manna. Can't wait to get in the promised land. But there is a danger in enjoying that. Verse 11, take care lest you forget the Lord your God. By not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Moses says, gaining more and enjoying the more can lead you to forget the Lord. That is, we spend so much time and so much effort enjoying that instead of giving thanks, instead of appreciating the blessing, we just feel like we deserve it. There's just something dangerous about having everything we need. Isn't that a funny thing to say? Because that's what we all really set out to do, to make sure we have everything we need. And really, in many ways, that's what we rely on God for, to make sure we have everything we need. And Moses is warning us, we are most likely to feel entitled to good times when we are enjoying good times. When we enjoy it, we feel frustrated when we don't have it. In fact, that's really where entitlement begins. Because then when we don't have what we feel like we most enjoy and are most comfortable with, we become angry. It's a fascinating thing to me that the questions that plague Western society, like how could God allow bad things to happen to good people, don't come up as much in poorer nations. Isn't that funny? People who suffer more than we do complain less. People who suffer more than we do wrestle with their faith less as a result of their difficulty. Why would that be? It's because when we enjoy what we have, we feel entitled to it. And then when it is gone, we get angry at the one who took away what we feel we deserve. But if we felt we deserved less, we would have less resentment toward God when we don't have everything that we would like. We have this danger, brothers and sisters. That as our expectations for what we enjoy grow, our expectations for what we deserve grow along with them. I've seen a shift in this just in my life where there is a number of things that are added to the list of what are the basic essential human needs, what we all deserve. So, whereas when... I was young, that list would have included things like indoor plumbing, definitely. I know some of you would say that wasn't on the list when you were young. Indoor plumbing, air conditioning, central heating. We drive our nice cars on 
well-maintained roads, wherever we want to go. And now there is more to the list. I think we would add some kind of fancy smartphone and internet access that is constant. You should always be able to get a hold of someone. If you don't, it makes you angry. You should always be able to get what you want pretty much as quickly as you want it. If Amazon takes two days or three, we get upset. You see how the list of expectations has grown as our prosperity and our enjoyment has grown? We would think that. This is the crazy thing. We would think that the more we have and the more we enjoy, the more we would appreciate it. But it works the other way. It's the funniest thing. The more we have, the more we forget the Lord. And the less we appreciate what we have. But we also have this danger. And I just want to say one thing on this point before we leave enjoyment. We enjoy the things we have so much that very often the Lord looks boring by comparison. You know, when you have access to absolutely constant entertainment, constant, and I mean constant, like have you had this happen to you yet where you pull up to a stoplight and you're bored for those couple of seconds and you pick up your phone? Have you had that experience? Okay, we are used to absolutely constant entertainment. So what is it like to come into the assembly of the Lord's people and say, let's have a quiet time where we take the Lord's Supper and nobody says or does anything? I'll tell you what it's like. It's boring to us because we spend so much time enjoying what we have that the Lord, by comparison, is not as enjoyable. It's not as entertaining to worship God. So our love for enjoyment challenges us because it can lead us to forget the Lord. That's the danger Moses foresaw. The third thing I'd say is that good times can lead us to forget the Lord because we assume that we are responsible for the good times, that we have sort of gotten where we are by our own power and our own goodness. We built this nation. We strengthened our economy. We are the greatest nation on earth. We are the people of God. We have built our homes. We have made our money. We did it all. It's interesting that there are a couple of ways God fights this thought in Deuteronomy. I want you to just take a moment, turn back a page to Deuteronomy 6. In Deuteronomy 6, in verse 10. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 10, he says, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities, notice it, that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Moses specifies, you didn't do this work, and yet you're enjoying the fruit of it. And that should change our perception of it. Because it is one thing to enjoy the fruit of our own labor. It is something entirely different to enjoy the fruit of everyone else's labor. That's what he's saying. Don't get so high on yourself that you forget you are the recipient of others' blessings and work and gifts. I think that we need to take a little bit of that humility for ourselves. Whether we're talking about the fact that we are Americans and that being an American means that we stand on the shoulders of a whole lot of people who had some great ideas 
and who are brave and courageous. Now, certainly, a lot of Americans have made a lot of mistakes and some of those things that we regret and we're ashamed of. But we didn't build this nation. We stand on their shoulders. And as Christians, we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. We inherit a lot of the blessings. Did you know that the Bible wasn't written with chapters and verses? Did you know that people have worked for centuries to translate the Bible out of the language of the original into our language, and they continue to do so? We are blessed by them. So before we begin to think that we are the ones who are so impressive, we have to remember that other people have done work too. Turn with me back to Deuteronomy 8, though. In chapter 8 and verse 17, we owe other people gratitude, but particularly God wants us to remember our need to thank Him. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 17, He says, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God. For it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is this day. So it is not just other people who we benefit from and who have blessed us and who we owe some gratitude. It is also God. It is primarily God, and he warns us against the, the pride of the heart that would say, he says, the heart that's lifted up and says, I did this. It's my responsibility. The good in my life, I made it. We begin to think that we are responsible, and when that's the case, what's stopping us from getting more? Well, it's only us, because we are the ones who are responsible. Moses says, it's God who gives you power to get wealth. I think that's an essential idea. In fact, if you underline things in your Bible, I would underline that. The power to get wealth comes from God. So even when we do our work, and we work hard, and we are diligent, at the end of the day, it is God who is responsible and who deserves glory, not us. We cannot assume that we are responsible. So, we don't just deserve good things. They are gifts from God. And when we receive good things, it is God who deserves credit for them. And finally, good times can lead us to forget the Lord because we forget about and disobey the Lord. I want you to notice the link between remembering God and obeying God in the text. Look in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 5. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 5. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So... You shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and by fearing Him. Notice that when we forget that God is the source of good in our lives, it attacks the problem of obedience. We no longer have a pretext, a basis for obeying God. Moses is saying, God has done so much for you. He has earned your allegiance. So now... Obey him. Do what he says because you know what he is interested in is your good. He is disciplining you. He has brought you into the good land. He has tested you and humbled you. And now he's going to be with you if you'll remember him in the new land. Just be sure that you continue to follow his ways. Don't forget about him. Verse 11. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Down in verse 19, And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. 
Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. So the danger is that we become more and more focused on us and less and less focused on God. We become peculiarly selfish. We keep receiving from God, but never thanking. Instead, we assume we deserve it and we're responsible. And if anything is not exactly like we like it, we begin to grouse and complain. God needs to do something else because this is not the way I like it. We become completely self-absorbed. We even begin to make our own gods and our own rules. And then when God lays a claim on us and says, no, you don't need to live that way. You need to change that. You need to be different. We throw up our hands and say, who are you to tell me what to do? How dare you try to command me or restrict me in some way? Which is the height of arrogance. But you see, when we don't listen to what God is doing good, then how favorable are we going to be when God tells us some hard truth? This is the reason why in Romans chapter 1, the descent of the Gentiles begins with them not acknowledging God as God, nor being thankful. They become entitled. They begin to think they are the point and the greatest thing in creation. So they forget about and disobey the Lord. And good times can lead us to that. We begin to think that God is not real, or at least he's not involved in my life. He is practically absent because I don't see him in all the blessings I have each day all around me. From there, it is only a short step to outright disobedience. Well, I want to ask the question for the balance of our time, how do we fight entitlement? And there are two answers that I find in this text that I think will be helpful to us and one of them particularly helpful as we go through the exercises we'll have this week. The first is memory. Memory is how we fight entitlement. I want you to see if you notice a theme. Verse 2, Deuteronomy 8 and verse 2, and you shall remember. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 11, take care lest you forget. Verse 14, your heart shall be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Verse 18, you shall remember. Verse 19, if you forget. Memory is an antidote to entitlement. Memory about particularly things that were hard. The difficult times we've been in and the fact that things have not always been the way they are now. So I want to ask, maybe if you've been married a little while, do you remember when things weren't as great as they are now? Maybe that's financial, when you had to scrape by, when you didn't have two nickels to rub together. Do you remember those times? Do you remember when you were just a little kid and you didn't have any money? Do you remember that? Do you remember maybe you've lost a job and the fear and the panic that that brought? Do you remember when you couldn't make ends meet? Have you been there? Had to borrow, struggle, ask for help? Sometimes I think we, we go through times like those, and then as soon as we're out of that pit, we block it out. We don't want to think about it anymore. It was so unpleasant. We didn't like it at all, and we're just, we're just glad to be 
on solid ground again. But when we forget, we lose something because we forget how much the Lord blessed us and brought us out of the hard times. Do you remember the times that you prayed so intensely because you didn't know how you were going to make it? Do you remember when life turned bad? You realized that you had messed things up? You didn't know how you were going to get out of it? Those moments are essential for our faith. We need those memories because those memories keep faith fresh. And memories are important because they remind us that things don't have to be good. We have lived through times that were not good. And we need to remember it because it will help us appreciate what we have. Now, this is just my opinion, which means that you can throw it out if you don't like it. But in my opinion, Americans have a pretty bad cultural memory. We're just not very good at remembering things. We don't like to think about history and how we got to where we are. We don't like to look at the ugly chapters of our nation's history because they're unpleasant and they're negative. We don't like to look when America was less developed than it is, how we got here. We act as if we just woke up one day and all of a sudden, hey, we're in modern America. That's nice. It's important that we remember the things that went into making this nation the nation it is, the things that went into making this congregation the congregation it is, the things that went into making our families the family they are, because when we remember, it helps us know that things don't have to be the way they are. Instead, it gives us context and perspective. I don't know if many of us realize that we live in the midst of the greatest financial power and the greatest financial era in the history of the world. Have you ever asked yourself, why am I so blessed that I get to live in a time like this? It doesn't have to be the way it is. Of all the people who've ever lived, that is an area in which we are tremendously blessed. How do we fight entitlement? We fight it by gratitude. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 10. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 10, You shall eat and be full and shall bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Verse 18, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is this day. The best way to find entitlement is to give thanks. To give thanks for everything that we have. Gratitude cuts at the roots of entitlement. See, entitlement says, I deserve everything I want and everything I need. But gratitude says someone has given me the things that I need or want. And the thing about gifts is we never deserve gifts. If you deserve a gift, it's not a gift. We never deserve gifts. And when we talk about gifts and gratitude and thanksgiving, we are talking about God. Moses says, bless the Lord. This is really interesting to me. You may not be interested in this. It's interesting to me. I read a lot about running. And when you read about running, there will be these, these little tips about running. And very often, the, the people who write about running say, you need to run grateful. And what they mean is there are a lot of people who don't have the ability to run. Maybe there's, there's health problems or maybe there's age problems, whatever it may be. And they say, you know, you need to be grateful 
for the opportunity just to be out and experiencing nature and running, using your body and all these things. And it, it always makes me wonder, these are people who don't really acknowledge God. And it makes me wonder, grateful to who? Or to whom, right, Barry? Grateful to whom? Who are we grateful to if we don't acknowledge God? We're going to have a national holiday on Thursday. It is called Thanksgiving. Who are we giving thanks to if we don't acknowledge God? Gratitude is how we describe the need that we all have. Whether we acknowledge God or not, to thank someone. Because we know we don't deserve what we have. So let's, let's thank God. I made a little list. Let's thank God for our relationships. For our families, for our friends, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. For our children, for our parents. For the time that we have together. Let's thank God for our material goods. We've lived another year. God has sustained us. God has given us power to give well. In fact, he has blessed most of us so that we can live comfortably. Let's thank God for our nation. We're a free people. Our voices can be heard in elections. We can worship God without fear. We can speak our minds. These are blessings. Let's thank God for our lives. We've been blessed to live another year. Maybe our health wasn't great this year, but God has blessed us with life when nothing was guaranteed. God holds our breath in his hand. Every breath is a gift. Let's thank God for the little joys of life. That explosion of flavor that comes when you bite into a fruit that's not watermelon. The incredible spectrum of colors that comes when you look at a sunset. How much fun it is to laugh. How beautiful it is to listen to music. To see somebody you love smile. Little things that are gifts. It doesn't have to be this way. Let's thank God for the generations who have gone before us. Especially in the faith. Let's thank God for the cycles of life, changing of the seasons, the beauty and majesty of the earth, the beauty of the stars at night. Let's thank God for the spiritual blessings, the things that he has showered on us by sending his son to earth, taking our sins away, making us children of God, giving us hope for eternity. He's given purpose and direction to our lives. He's brought us together with other people to make us a family in Christ. He's made life make sense. And he's blessed this congregation too. He's given us wise and patient men who lead us. He's given us a spirit of camaraderie and community here. We're able to do the work of the gospel together with those who have like precious faith. We don't deserve any of it. It is a gift from God.
So say thank you. Thanksgiving is not a holiday. It is a posture in which Christians live life. We know that we did not do it. We are not responsible. We know that we do not deserve it. Thanksgiving breaks the spell of entitlement. I want to say a word particularly to parents. Parents, we need to be teaching our children about gratitude and memory because entitlement is very often passed down from parent to child. That first generation of Jewish children that was born in the land of Canaan was different from those born in the desert. That's natural. They were raised in a different environment and in a different way. But there have to be pains taken so that we don't create another generation that does not know the Lord. That's what Moses is warning about. Often parents want their children to have a better life than they did. You know, I remember my struggles growing up, and I don't want my kid to struggle. I want my kid to have this, and to have this, and to have this. And the danger of that is that without memory and without gratitude, those children grow up feeling entitled that they deserve far more than what they've done. And as we've seen, that can become a spiritual danger and sickness. So parents, I encourage you, be teaching your children to be a grateful people. Teach them about needs and wants. Teach them about rights and responsibilities. Teach them about privileges and essentials and the difference between the two. Thanksgiving should not be a strange time where we do something new and novel. Thanksgiving should begin at home. Thanksgiving should pervade our hearts and our attitudes. So, Moses warns God's people about going into the promised land and the spiritual dangers. We are a blessed people, and we share those same spiritual dangers. So the question is, are we going to be humble and thankful like God expects? I leave that challenge for you to think about as you go through the week. There might be someone here this morning, though, who needs to respond right now to the message of the gospel of Jesus, and you're ready to give your life over to the Lord. Maybe you realize some of the things we've talked about are problems or issues you have, and you know that you've been blessed by God. You need to know that God loves you so much. He sent his son to take your sins away, to give you hope of eternal life. And that gift is truly a gift. It's nothing any of us deserve. In fact, we deserve punishment for our sin, but we've been given the gift of eternal life through Jesus. And if you want that gift, if you want to accept what God has done for you, we encourage you this morning, leave behind your life of sin and turn around so that you can be one with God. Come to him in penitent faith, saying, I want to obey the Lord from now on. You can be baptized in water and have your sins washed away. If there is any need that you have, we invite you to come to the front right now as we stand and sing to encourage you.